With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It's me, it's me, it's the D-O-double-G, the road dog, Jesse James, and by my side, as always, is that B-A-double-D-A-double crooked letter, badass Billy Gunn. Together we are the New Age Outlaws, and you're listening to the VOC Nation. And if you ain't down with that, he's got two words for you. Suck it. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, who you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer The Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact, Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, and former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling With History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern, and of course, In the Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter too, at VOC Nation. And welcome to Wrestling With Problems. I'm your host, King David Lane. That's King David Lane on just about every social media platform, so give me a like, follow, and friend request, and I will probably give you one in return. I'm here to talk what else but wrestling. We've got a lot to talk about today. I might be rolling solo, but this might be a packed show for a solo show. Usually, solo shows, I might be out of here in a half hour. Hour probably max. Who knows how long I might talk today, though, even if I don't get my co-host. But I might have a co-host. I just don't know yet. But anyway, let's get into the wrestling of course we had the biggest news in the world of wrestling the Royal Rumble but we also got another story that's kind of tangential to wrestling I want to get into uh, that's the death of Screech uh, Powers that's his fictional name on Saved by the Bell in real life his name was Dustin Diamond he was a real guy with a real name we'll get into that in just a second uh, I was not expecting to be discussing this but this is sort of a late breaking story that he passed away earlier this morning so we're going to get into that and how he actually ties into the world of wrestling so first we'll get into the Royal Rumble though uh, obviously I think for most uh, fans of WWE and many fans of world of wrestling Royal Rumble is probably the biggest second biggest or at least third biggest even the year for wrestling uh, obviously Wrestlemania is probably number one for most WWE fans uh, although I do believe there's a segment of the fan base that likes SummerSlam. SummerSlam, for some, is considered the WrestleMania for the true hardcore fans of WWE and wrestling. While WrestleMania has a little bit more of the celebrity touch to it. So uh, 
But at any rate, uh, Re- Royal Rumble, you know, directly, or I should say most directly, starts the road to WrestleMania. So in that way, it's largely the number two show, even though it's own major show within its own realm. And uh, especially now that there's a men's and women's Rumble, that adds that much more even to it. So, uh, and uh, this year, it's, it's actually led to some very, very... Uh, very, very uh, interesting tidbits. Uh, as a result of the Royal Rumble, I've seen reports both Christian as well as uh, Carlito aren't expected to be sort of one-offs of the Royal Rumble. They're both expected to, you know, have a little bit more of a role going forward. Uh, both is expected to at least make a few more appearances. There's rumors that uh, Carlito might get, be getting a tryout and might actually become a producer, or he might be in a sort of situation that uh, MVP was in where he comes back, they give him a trial, they give him a short run, and maybe he'll be a producer, but the next thing you know, he's on TV. He's great on the mic. Because that was the one thing Carlito always had. He was always enjoyable on the mic, as well as being you know, a solid work in the ring, but uh, that's, I think that was I think that was what really made him stand out when he had his original runs with WWE. Uh for Christian, he seemed to be on the ends with WWE. He said shows on the networking when he wasn't wrestling, so uh, not a huge surprise that he came back, other than the fact that, you know, he had been out injured. Uh, and I think a lot of people weren't really expecting him to come back until very, very recently. There were, you know, a few rumblings here and there. But he is expected to make some more appearances, so uh, when we get a little bit more as far as what he might do in, I might discuss it in some future episodes uh, going forward. Uh, but uh, going back to the Carlito a uh, bit, like I said, he might get a little bit of a tryout, uh, have a short run. Like I said, might be in an MVP spot where he can, you know, they like him and it leads to more. Because the one thing, if you can talk, there's always a place for you. If you're, if you're a guy that can uh, speak well on a mic and generate heat, be interesting. So, uh, hopefully, like I said, he was on the outs for WWE for a while. He didn't appear for, uh, uh, I believe a decade it was that he was away from WWE. Uh, I believe 2009 was his last appearance previously. Of course he had some, um, issues with some, uh, substance abuse allegedly. So, uh, and obviously, being the son of Carlos Colon, he, he he had a place to go, so it's not like he was hurting for money. He 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 could always go to World Wrestling Council and, and uh, do some stuff there. So uh, obviously, it wasn't you know that detrimental to his career as far as you know not having a place to go where he could you know earn a decent living. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he, uh, he looks. It looks like he last was in WWE just to confirm this. Uh, let's see, he signed early with he signed actually in two thousand three to do the uh thing with Ohio Valley. Uh later had that run as US champion two thousand four and two thousand five. Intercontinental champion two thousand five and two thousand six. And obviously, you know, he, he did have a little bit of run with the Colognes. Uh let's see, uh February 2010, he was actually one of the pros, supposedly, for WWE NXT. And uh, later on, he was released May 
first of 2010. So yeah, he did he did appear in the last decade. Uh, so it's, it's just under 10 years when he made his last appearance. Uh, but he was released for uh, addiction for painkillers, and he didn't he refused to attend a rehabilitation rehabilitation facility. That's allegedly. <laughs> Uh, I did this quick. I did this quick search on Wikipedia. So uh, Wikipedia, I don't want to take that as any sort of gospel. That's what is alleged on Wikipedia. <laughs> but anyway, I, I I had heard the rumors about it. You know, I thought it was like something related to uh, drug abuse, or drug use, and like I said, uh, I need a little bit of refresher. So I wanted to do a quick scan real fast on it. But anyway, uh, hopefully he's you know he, he looked he looked in relatively good shape. Uh, so hopefully you know. The, that's all behind him, and he can uh, go ahead and continue. And obviously, if you're a producer, your schedule is a little bit not the same as a full-time worker anyway, so that can kind of work out well for you too as well. So uh, uh, good to have him back. I saw a lot of other fans online were excited to have him back. So this this is nothing but good for him and the company, hopefully. It's also weird that, like, when they finally get rid of Primo and Epico, he finally comes back. Like I said, basically they were on a roster forever, <laughs> but not actually on television ever. They were in that sort of Zack Ryder role, that sort of JTG role, where you're every now and again you check the WWE roster, you're still there, or you might tune in a main event or something. Not me. There's no way I'm watching main event. <laughs> Somebody else might tune in the main event and watch it and, and see if it is here. I am not tuning in the main event. Like I said, I have enough. I've had enough wrestling to go through with just Raw, SmackDown, Ring of Honor, MLW. If NWA is making anything that week or that month, uh, MLW, AEW, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, New Japan. <laughs> so uh, I'm not watching WWE's like fourth string, fifth string shows. So no, I don't have time for that. <laughs> but anyway. Um, Back to other developments in the world. It was also nice to see some of the divas uh, slash female superstars finally come back for a run. Uh, Victoria was back. I was actually surprised to see her back because I thought she retired due to injuries, but uh, it was good. It was good to see her just get that sort of last, you know, last moment with some of the young stars. Uh, Jillian was back. Uh, I was actually surprised that. I didn't see uh, Booker T. I, I just, I just, every, I think everybody just assumed he was going to be in the Royal Rumble. <laughs> so unless I like, you know, missed him for a moment when he came out to do, when I stepped away to do something else, because I did have to take a bathroom break here and whatnot. But uh, I don't remember seeing him, so <laughs> I, I will sound really stupid if he was there and I missed it. So if, if he was there, it must have been a really quick thing. I was actually surprised, Bad Bunny. I was surprised they didn't enter Bad Bunny into the Rumble, because <laughs> since he did do the one spot, I just assumed when he came out that they were going to announce him as the next, because they've had celebrities in it. They've had, like, you know, I think like Drew Carey or somebody in before. So I thought he was just going to be, like, celebrity entered into the Royal Rumble. Although, you know, I would, you know, you'd rather have a spot for some of the actual, you know, actual talent. So that does, it is kind of messed up when you have some of these, you know, people who aren't involved in wrestling at all, or, you know, if they've been involved but haven't been around in a while, don't even look like they should be in the ring anymore, they get involved, and then some of the young talent doesn't get a spot. So, uh, on the other hand, you balance, you sort of balance that out with, every year there's usually only maybe four or five people that we think have a legitimate chance, so it's not like, uh, 
It's not like, you know, that uh, one of those NXT people that you really want to see that would put on a good show. It's not like they were going to win or you thought that they were going to win. So it's all sort of, I guess, you balance it out with the entertainment aspects of it. You know, just having the Royal Rumble be interesting because uh, there are times when I like seeing the uh, old people, older talent come back and be in it. And there's other times where I'm like, nah. And like I said, I think a lot has to do with does the star currently look like they should be in a ring? Because if you can look at them and, and say they still got it, then yeah, maybe. If you look at them and say this person should not be in a ring, this person looks like they literally haven't done anything since they <laughs> since they left their last run. Looks like they haven't worked out. Looks like they're out of shape. They're not dying to hair. Any number of other things. If, if they don't look like close to what they used to look like, then sometimes in that situation you're kind of like maybe you shouldn't put them in. I'm not going to name any names though regarding this though. So. Uh, but everybody can draw their own conclusions sometimes, I guess, about that. But at any rate, uh, let's get into some of the uh, various uh, uh, finishes to the matches and 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 how that worked out. I'll say. Uh, actually, actually, before I get into the finishes of some of these matches, let me let me let me go ahead and talk about something that I thought I wasn't going to like in one of the matches, but I turned out liking. When our truth came down to the ring, as much as I like our truth and I like the 24 7 title sort of gimmick thing, just being some nice comedy relief, initially when it came down, it pissed me off. I'm like, the women have been working real hard to be taken seriously. You know, don't include some male comedy into this thing. You know, if you have some women that want to do some funny stuff, that's fine, but don't, you know, interject any male comedy when they're still, you know, sort of fighting for some of the respect that they want to get. And we're only, you know, a few years past the women's revolution. Let's not sort of backtrack on that. But the fact that Alicia Fox won the 24-7 title during the Royal Woman match for women actually added some value to me, and I thought that was hilarious. So I thought that was cute. I thought it was funny. I enjoyed it. So that's one of those first situations where something happens, it starts to piss you off. But they're able to win you back after the fact. So uh, hats off to them for pulling it off. I don't know if there's a lot of people that would have been able to pull that off, but they did both successfully pull it off. Although it was weird to have Alicia Fox sort of back as a legend when she was just like there like last year. <laughs> it, it it didn't feel like she was going long enough for her to say welcome back to her. You know, that was one of the that was one of my weird takes uh, from the sort of quote legends being in the ring. There's also the fact that she's only 34 years old, so she she was there like seems like last year. I should take that back. She was she actually was apparently not uh, apparently she was not there last year. She was actually there. Uh, she was last there in 2019. So yeah, she was going about two years. So I, I do stand corrected on that. It still didn't feel like she was going long enough, though. Although she was one of the rare women in WWE that, you know, managed to have a nice, nice, really long run. You know, she was, even though she's only 34 years old now, she's been pretty much inactive for two years. She still managed to have a run that lasted, you know, 13 years. You don't really have that many women that have a run that's that long uh, with a company. Especially not consecutively, you know. But she pretty much was from the time she was with Ohio Valley 2006 to uh, leaving in 2019. She was there, so 
So uh, hats off to her. Anyway, like I said, that was one of the things that I thought, you know, I thought I was going to hate, but they, they did manage to wow me and change my opinion on it. So, I was, so that, that ended up being uh, some fun stuff. Uh, in addition to that, like now we can go ahead and get into some of the winners and and losers of the uh, the matches for the Royal Rumble. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, start with the pre-show. They did have uh, uh, a women's uh, uh, tag team match. You had Oscar and Charlotte Flair defended against the uh, Nia Jackson Baszler. Of course, they did the Ric Flair thing coming out with Lacey Evans to distract. Uh, Jax Baszler became the two-time champion. So that's a tie for the record because the belts haven't been around that long, at least not this edition of them. So obviously there wouldn't be that many uh, <laughs> that many women's tag team champions, let alone that many two or three time champions. So they tie for the record, two runs. Actually, you did start off with uh, Drew McIntyre. Uh, the actual true pay-per-view, you had Drew McIntyre versus Goldberg. Bill Goldberg put on actually at least a decent show this time. He wrestled twice as long as he usually wrestled. But this time around, I think it was a neighborhood of four and a half minutes. So, uh, I guess, <laughs> I guess that was, uh, I guess that was, uh, for him, he at least put in some effort. I guess I'll go that much. He at least gave it a shot. He looked decent for what he was in for, at least. Technically, the match only lasted two and a half minutes, but they did do they did fight for about two minutes uh, before the match started. So, even though if you just look at the official records, he didn't fight that long. At least he did fight almost five minutes this time, if you include the the pre-match action. But before for what it was, it was a solid match. I think nobody expected a five-star match involving Gilbert. But I don't know if anybody was even expecting a two-star match with with Goldberg being in it. But uh, for what it was, it was solid. So it didn't. Other than the fact Bill Goldberg being in the match, period, kind of sucked. But uh, for what it was, it was fine. Uh, later, you had Sasha Banks defeated Carmella. Uh, Carmella, her little deal with Reginald, that sort of, you know, entertaining. Uh, it wasn't a great match, but it was very, very solid. Uh, nothing that, you know, nothing so much to complain about. So, uh, solid match there. Uh, next, we get the 30-woman uh, Royal Rumble match. Uh, so they get a shot at the winner. This gets a shot at WrestleMania. Bianca Belair won. I, I was, you know, glad to see that. Uh, I was actually kind of surprised she ended up eliminating Rhea Ripley uh, last. Uh, this was a very, very interesting match. Like I said, you had a lot of, you know, sort of, uh, you know, Retired talent come back for for another run. So, like like I mentioned earlier, it was cool to see Victoria. It was cool to see Jillian. Uh, overall, though, like I said, it was, there was good action in the match. Uh, as we mentioned before uh, on the show, battle royals usually aren't that interesting. But the one advantage that the Royal Rumble has over traditional battle royals is you get all these little individual stories and team up and stuff that happen, especially with a match lasting in the middle of an hour. So it actually works out really, really well as far as, you know, telling a bunch of individual stories within a match. So uh, 
great work by Bianca Belair. Although uh, there are people who have been playing this footage showing that Bianca Belair's feet have both touched the ground when she was thrown over the rope, even though she was, quote, hanging on. So I've seen pictures. I did not look at the video. I've seen the pictures. So if WWE wants, they can either sell it as, you know, inconclusive evidence if they want to, or if they want to ignore it, they can ignore it. Or if they they could actually make some a storyline out of it, the fact that technically she was eliminated, it's just the referees didn't see it, so it didn't count. So is the referee's decision final? Do they restart the match? A bunch of different options they can go with that. So it could go a bunch of different ways. So all these considered, if they actually did it to set up an angle, I like it. If it was just that Bianca Bella just sort of messed up and her feet did hit the floor, which I can't verify, like I said, as a pitcher, it's like when you look at an instant replay, sometimes we see if somebody's uh, NFL receivers toes of both ends, sometimes inconclusive. It looked inconclusive to me. So, uh, but at any rate, uh, congratulations to her. Excited for her. And like I said, her, her speech after the, uh, after winning was very, very heartwarming and very, very little warms my heart, especially when somebody's quote doing a performance I don't know how much of that was her just being real in a moment or if that was sort of the story she was trying to tell. But if that was a story she was trying to tell, then she did a great job of, of acting. If that was just, you know, her just being real, then all the more, you know, great and wonderful to see her actually be excited and for her to uh, <laughs> give a shout out to Tess. Of course, any wrestling fan that's been watching WWE knows that's Montez Ford of the uh, Street Profits, her husband, because they've actually acknowledged it on rest, on TV numerous times, although they sort of backed away from it after a couple weeks. But uh, overall, great to see. We had a last man standing match for WWE Universal Championship match. This was a very, very good match. Uh, both guys did some great work. This is, out of all the matches, I'd say probably this is the highlight of the uh of the show as far as it ring work and whatnot, or I guess out of ring work too. Uh, great dive by both gentlemen. Roman Reigns is a guy that when he initially started, I was, I was always thrilled with his wrestling. I never thought he was quote terrible, but I never really thought he was great, but he's a guy like Cena that if you put him in a main event, he works really well in a main event, especially when you put him on another talented, even more quote talented worker. So uh, I'm pretty much never disappointed by his match in the main event, unless he's with somebody that sucks. Like, uh, I don't think he could, you, if you put him with Bill Goldberg, Goldberg's not going to work with anybody, pretty much anybody. <laughs> uh, Brock Lesnar's probably not going to work with much of anybody. Like I said, unless they truly want to put in the work. Like I said, Goldberg did seem to put in a little bit of work this time. I'll give him credit for that. Uh, when Brock Lesnar wants to, like, Brock Lesnar was actually a solid worker when he was young, so... If he wants to put in an effort, it is there if he wants it. Anyway, that's off topic. He wasn't in the card, so I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about him. But overall, this was a very, very good match and really enjoyable. I like the sort of thing they did with the handcuffs and with him being trapped, although it looks kind of weak that he was able to get up because I think it took – I think they realized they sort of trapped him bad. And he was able to actually get up to his feet after his handcuffs after the fact, even though he supposedly couldn't earlier when he was attacked. So that hurt it a little bit for me. It seemed like the referee stopped the count for some reason even prior to that because it seemed like he got the five and just quit, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, that wasn't enough to really make me mad at the match. It, it was like a sort of more of a minor irritation. Uh, last but not least, we had Edge winning the uh, 
30-man Royal Rumble match for a World Championship shot at WrestleMania. This was a, you know, like I said, this is another, you know, good Rumble match. Like I said, it had some nice stories. You had some nice cameos. With, I, I suspect that Kane was going to be there. I was kind of surprised that Hurricane Helms was there. Uh, but, you know, it was cool to see him, too. Even though, you know, we've seen him there. We've seen him in A&W. He sort of bounces all around. He sort of goes, he sort of goes a little bit everywhere. But at any rate, uh, overall, another enjoyable match. They Another match where they told some good stories within stories of the match. And this is one of those things where the pandemic sort of helps uh, WWE. Because far too often, when you have live fans in an arena, when something's supposed to be a little bit of a surprise, you can't really surprise the TV audience when there's fans in the arena because they see what's happening. So before something that's supposed to be a surprise happens, you get a little bit of that warning because they start going, or, ah, or they start yelling, or you know, you hear the sound so you know something's about to happen. Uh, this time with Randy Orton just sort of trying to pull out the RK out of nowhere, you didn't get that heads up because they're watching on webcam, so they're watching on TV just like everybody else. So you didn't get that warning it was about to do it. So it, it seemingly came out of nowhere. So that worked out very, very well. And it was still nice that Ed was able to still overcome it. And it was also very, very sneaky by Orton, you know, basically just rested the entire match. I think pretty much nobody thought that he was truly legitimately hurt. If he was just, you know, he was just finding a way to stay out of the ring. So it worked out very, very well. WWE did a, and Michael Cole did a good job of selling that early in the match. Then they just sort of forgot about it almost by the end, which is, I think, actually the smart thing to do. Even though they remembered it most of the time, then they forgot it to the very, very then they forgot it to the very end. But that actually works as far as telling the story. So that's one of those situations where it's it's if you if, if you think too hard about it, it might insult your intelligence. But this is one of the situations where it, it, it made total sense within the logic of the storyline to sort of do it. So uh, overall, I thought Royal Rumble was a good pay-per-view. Uh, I didn't have – I actually – usually I kind of have an expectation going into a pay-per-view, but I didn't have much for this one. I wasn't expect there wasn't that much announced before it, so I couldn't really make much in the way of expectations other than uh, usually Royal Rumble is entertaining if nothing else for the cameos. So uh, this is one of those pay-per-views where it's really hard to mess up, and they didn't mess it up. It was solid. In fact, I would even call it good. So I had a good time. It, it, it legit, I did have an online uh, improv show last night, so I could not watch it live. I ended up watching it mm, basically in three bites. Uh, I think I watched maybe two hours last night after my show ended, so I think it was around midnight or so I went to bed after watching about two hours, and I watched another hunk of it. Uh, while I worked out, then I had to take a break because I had to go do something else. Then I watched another hunk of it later, so leading almost up, I'd say maybe 30 minutes before the showtime started today, so uh, four hours is still a long time for me to sit around and do anything. I have a hard time trying to do anything for four hours long as far as watching a movie or TV or anything like that. So, uh, but overall, like I said, it might have been, I might have not liked it as much if I tried to sit and watch it all at four hours at once. I don't know. I can't say for sure. But overall, I did enjoy it, and I thought it was very, very good. So maybe they benefited from me having to watch it in three different parts. At any rate, uh, I got a lot of entertainment value of it, and I was excited to see it. And, and it does make me uh, wonder uh, 
who will be holding the belts when Edge decides who he's going to uh, face and whether or not there'll be title changes between now and then because groom has been that it's going to be Edge and uh, Orton again one more time. So how they're going to pull that off unless Randy Orton upsets somebody or whatever. So at any rate, uh, guess I'll go ahead and uh, move on to some other things I want to talk about. Like, oh yeah, that reminded me. Uh, yeah, I, there was something else I want to talk about. It wasn't directly related related to the pay per view as much. Just sort of was hinted at. Uh, when I talked about things, the pandemic sort of helps with the presentation of product. Obviously, the pandemic's bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to downplay that in any way. There is, you know, some upside as far as the presentation of the product. Like, for instance, I mentioned that WWE is able to surprise you. Like, uh, they, like they did the thing with Orton. They had an even better one uh, last week on Raw. The Alexa Bliss clothing change was, like, great. When she kept changing clothes... And like I said, you didn't have the fans, you know, ruin it. If WWE tried to do that uh, with live fans in the arena, obviously, obviously they wouldn't be able to quote edit it on the fly, but they would probably have to do a thing where they have her, you know, either have different layers of outfits and you have to take one outfit off, and you probably, you know, have some fan with either a flash or a flashlight or something, and they see it and find a way to ruin it, or they'd have to do something with stunt doubles or something like that. So. The fact that they pulled that off on Raw was a nice surprise, and I was kind of surprised by it because I, I was wondering what they were trying to pull off. Because I tried to go back and watch it. I was like, wait a minute. How did they pull that off? There's no way she changed clothes that fast. But then I realized, oh, yeah, they probably just edited it, edited it in. And like I said, again, with uh, with the way it was cut, I was like, okay. And Oscar's reaction to it was really, really cool. Uh, and then they tried to do the, – they, they did the same they, – they, they hinted they were going to do the same thing in the Women's Royal Rumble match, but obviously that's a, quote, completely live show. There's no way they could you know, edit something live on a fly like that. So, uh, But the hit edit was a good move on that part. It was actually smart. People thought they were going to see something, and they didn't because all the girls sort of gained up on her and made sure it didn't happen. So that was another, you know, nice thing that uh, WWE was able to pull off. Anyway, uh, Moving on, I mentioned earlier the uh, the death today, if you're listening either live or the podcast same night on Stitcher or iTunes or whatever app you may listen to. Oh, by the way, if you're listening on some sort of app or you know, you're downloading it, please give us a five-star review. Please just hit that subscribe button. Hit, please like us or whatever, do whatever, whatever other positive thing to help us out because all those things really do help us out. It helps us get exposed to more people, helps us, you know, create some revenue for the show. Cause obviously for the most part, the people doing this, we're, we're not doing it for money per se, but you know, we, we would like to have a little, <laughs> but obviously we do it because we enjoy wrestling and we enjoy connecting with you, the fans and whatnot. So anyway, uh, I do want to thank a few websites that help give me some information for today's show. Obviously SE scoops. I thank them every week cause I do get a good deal of my wrestling knowledge for them. So I want to thank them. I want to thank heal by nature that helped me out with a lot of, uh, knowledge for, uh, Dustin Diamond slash Screech Powers from Saved by the Bill's uh, wrestling career because I largely uh, forgot about this or uh, I can't remember if I just never saw it in the first place or I forgot about it because I haven't always had access to TNA so there's been times when I've watched it and times I didn't but I did not realize he actually you know uh, 
was involved with them. I didn't realize he had a stint with Memphis Championship Wrestling in 2000. And I kind of forgot that he was involved with Hulk Hogan's Celebrity Championship Wrestling in 2008. So uh, he did have a, a boxing match in NWA TNA in 2008 against Tiny the Bellkeeper. I don't even remember Tiny the Bellkeeper, so I have no idea who the hell that is. But uh, I would assume that was one of those periods when I was not able to watch TNA. <laughs> but uh, now that I think about it, I was 2008. I was still living. I was still living in my. Uh, actually, that was the year I moved into this house. So you probably that probably was before I had the access to watch that on on my TV at this house. So that might explain why I didn't watch it. But anyway, uh, or at least why I don't remember it because I don't remember that at all. Wait, wait, just some, some of the stuff he did, like I mentioned, he wrestled for, uh, he had a stint with Memphis Championship Wrestling in 2000. He did Celebrity Championship Wrestling in 2008. Uh, I remember also on that show, Todd Bridges was on the show. I remember the uh, the daughter from Bewitch was on that show as well. Uh, trying to remember some of the other, t- oh yeah, Dennis Rodman was on that show as well, don't forget that. <laughs> I remember a lot of television. I forgot that uh, the Dusty Diamond was on it, though, but I remember, I remember watching that show because I did watch every episode that, that I was aware of. He actually did a celebrity boxing match, too, by the way, since since we do cover a little bit of Miss Martial Arts on the show and a little bit of boxing. Uh, I remember he fought Horseshack <coughs> from uh, Welcome Back Carter. Beat the hell out of him. He did have a huge advantage as far as age, so it kind of made sense that he would win. But he actually you know, looked pretty good. On it overall, so although again, it could have just been because he was fighting a guy that was you know 20 years older than him, you never know. But anyway, uh, he, he did apparently rest, work one last match for Fight the World Wrestling back in 2012. So, uh, we do send our condolences, uh, to his friends and family. Uh, he sort of had a interesting run. Uh, after after Saved by the Bell, because he actually did do the Saved by the Bell Next Generation or whatever it was called uh, show, uh, be, sort of being an assistant uh, to Mr. Bellion on that show. He did stand-up. He believes that he probably got uh, the cancer that killed him in his lungs due to maybe mold and some of the uh, less reputable hotels and motels he had been staying in when he was on the road for years. Because he was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer about three weeks ago, uh, he did get some treatment. You know, but he went like I said, he went pretty pretty fast. So, uh, but uh, so but that is how he how he believed he got it because he said he'd never smoked. So he's kind of shocked and surprised. And I was kind of amazed that he went so fast. Uh, he had tried to get back on the uh, Say by the Bell sort of reboot show. He kind of burned some bridges with a, you know, a book he wrote. When he first wrote the book, you know, he made some interesting claims about the uh, other stars of the show. Pretty much none of them wanted to do anything to do with him. And that's kind of what happens when you write a tell-all book. Later on, he tried to back down and say he didn't actually write the book. He was like, well, it was like a sort of ghost-written. They just sort of made some stuff up. But you put your name on it, so... It's bad enough if you told the truth and you sort of snitched out and ratted out people that were supposed to be your friends and they were your colleagues, but I assume they were sort of maybe supposed to be your friends. It's even worse if you lied on them. <laughs> like, fake snitching is worse than actual snitching, so uh, I kind of understand why that didn't work out for him. I don't know if he was able to reach out to anybody uh, 
and maybe reconnect with anybody in his last few weeks. I hope he was able to get, you know, in a decent place with some of those you know, people because you did have such a tie to those folks that you hope they were they were able to at least maybe forgive him in the last moments, realizing he was going to pass away probably. But you never know. That's an, that's another reason not to uh, sort of take these sort of things for granted because you never know what's going to happen. So you don't want to have to be making uh, deathbed, you know, sort of reconnections with folks. Just keep your stuff together because you might not even get that. You never know. You might, you know, pass over before you have an opportunity or you may realize it when it's too late that and people might want to have nothing to do with you. So that's another lesson to take from this uh, this sad circumstance. Anyway, uh, again, we wish the best to his friends and family, and I hope he was able to find, you know, sort of peace later in life because he had a lot of turmoil. He ended up going to jail for attacking, you know, attacking somebody. So he's had quite the interesting and colorful life. And you think about it, when you think about child stars, <laughs> he seems like, you know, another person that sort of went through that sort of ringer, though. So any rate, uh, hopefully he found peace later in life, and may he rest in peace. Uh, moving on, like I said, uh, there's no real nice way to transition from that, so I'm not going to pretend that I have a nice one. I do want to talk about something a little bit happier, though. Uh, and actually, this comes from Sports Illustrated, SI.com, uh, their coverage of wrestling. Uh, Mass Republic, KB New Path, and Pro Wrestling. Uh, this is actually, uh, I meant to discuss this a couple weeks ago. It actually first came out January 9th, so you still can go check it out online. Uh, but uh, Ring of Honor had been negotiating with like Roosh and Dragon Lee. Uh, the Ring of Honor champion and the uh, television champion. Uh, apparently, they both have benefited with negotiations from Mass Republic. Uh, Mass Republic is a quote multi platform company that continues to involve finding innovative ways to help wrestlers. So, uh, Wrestlers traditionally don't really have uh, agents and, you know, managers and whatnot, unlike, you know, like they do on KFA where they have somebody that sort of manages that stuff for them. Wrestlers is usually you negotiate with yourself, you, you negotiate your deal yourself, and you get what you get. But especially uh, with uh, a lot of the talent coming from Mexico, English not being their first language and that sort of thing. This is actually works out very, very well for the luchadors, you know, to have somebody, you know, sort of on, on the home field and negotiate for them. Uh, Kevin Kleinrock is their uh, president and chief operating officer. Uh, and this is a quote for him. With the Players Association of Lucha Libre, we're working to bring the broadest amount of opportunity to talent with production, licensing, and distribution. And we provide services to help understand and negotiate contracts. But it is not a traditional agency agreement where a percentage of the contract is taken. We provide extra service to the talent working with them on their intellectual property, and the goal is always to monetize their IP, and IP stands for intellectual property again, just in case you weren't aware. So in addition to Roosh and Dragon Lady, also uh, represent Penta L0M, also known as Pentagon Jr., and Ray Phoenix. Uh, and they orchestrated those deals with AEW. Uh, so, uh, they also got people like Conan, Great Sasuke, Ultimo Dragon, Vampiro, uh, Christy Jane, Selena Del Lorena. So uh, 
Previously, it used to just, uh, they were just like largely doing luchador masks and gear. Uh, Conan was involved with companies like, I guess Conan saw opportunity for them. Uh, and then, you know, Conan is a guy that's always sort of uh, went through the world of luchador and uh, lucha and, you know, as well as wrestling in general. But he's always a guy that seems to have a lot of good ideas or as integral, playing integral parts in different angles, whether it be, you know, different companies. He's sort of been a, you know, trusted veteran, had runs with, you know, in, in work with MLW, WCW, uh, you know, some of the talent at AEW as well. So uh, you you, see, you always sort of see him around. So he seems to have a very good mind of business, and people, you know, do sort of lean on him as a resource. Uh, apparently the uh, owner and CEO of Mass Republic is Ruben Zamora because uh, he grew up as a fan when he was a kid seeing you know shows in LA at the Grand Olympic Auditorium and the Auditorio de Tijuana uh, he eventually became a police officer in San Diego and he actually ended up uh, training Ray Mysterio Sr. who's the uncle of Ray Jr. I know you know if, if you weren't aware of that it's kind of weird that Rey Mysterio, <laughs> although now he goes by Rey Mysterio, when he was in WCW, he went by Rey Mysterio Jr. <laughs> His uncle was Rey Mysterio Sr. That's weird. <laughs> but yes, that's the way it worked. <laughs> but at any rate, uh, apparently Klein Rock and Zamora were introduced in 2004 by Conan. So uh, without getting into too many more of the further details. This is a, this is something that's worked out really, really well for uh, the company. And it's worked out really, really well for uh, uh, for the Luchadors as well. So uh, they also apparently worked behind the scenes with a lot of talent on Lucha Underground uh, back when that was in business. So. Uh, Or should I to be more specifically? They work behind the scenes advocates for this talent underground because the contracts were terrible. According to, well, actually, Conan's exact words of the contracts with Lucha Underground were a debacle. They were signing people up for these seven-year contracts, but it wasn't seven years; it was seven seasons. So if it took ten years to record seven seasons, they did be there for ten years. They helped a lot of the boys that were getting taken measure with those contracts. So. Uh, And they weren't paying all that well either from what I saw. I saw some numbers that were like jaw-dropping numbers for what people were getting paid. And when I say jaw-dropping, I mean in the worst possible sense. I mean, there were like stuff where like they were getting paid even though they were on national television, even though El Ray, when you say national television, wasn't in all the houses that most cable networks in, but still, still, you know, national, you know, television. And they were getting pay like I thought certain indie guys would pay like I've seen like uh, you know sort of you know former WWE talent that weren't like world champion but just like were sort of mid-card guys that you remember from back in the day that would make more one day than some of these guys were getting for their uh, <laughs> for their payments so I was like wow but at any rate uh, they also work on things like helping them monetize their product you know after the wrestling you know, goes ends. So he says our goal is to create revenue streams for us while they're active. The ones that don't involve them getting in the ring and having to take months, which should help them earn money while preserving the 
preserving her. Why well, she says persevering here? I think he meant preserving anybody. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think this is just a typo. Anyway, uh, I'll be looking a little bit more into this and see if they're able to, you know, sort of create more deals for more people and see what other things this company does. But I'm liking what they're doing. So uh, definitely check out the article on Sports Illustrated's website. That's SI.com. And our title of the article, once again, is uh, Mass Republic Paving New Path in Pro Wrestling. So definitely check it out. Anyway, moving on. Uh, WWE has decided to Emmy-nominated producer Christine Lubrano as its uh, new senior vice president in creative writing operations. She's not working wrestling at all. She has worked on shows like uh, Portlandia, the Fred Armisen show with Carrie Brownstein. By the way, that was a very, very good show. I'm, I still got a few more seasons on it I need to watch. I think I watched it through the first three years. At some point, I cut the cord, so I lost access to it. Then later on, when I regained the cord, I didn't want to start at the end of the show, so I wanted to start back. So I need to find the point I missed it and go back. But it was definitely a good show, and I enjoyed watching it for the first three years. But I think I still got like three or four more years worth of watching it. So, uh... Uh, by the way, she also was a executive producer on uh, Mark Marin's show on IFC Marin, and uh, obviously Marin works on the uh, Netflix show Glow. So I guess that's sort of another sort of uh, it's a sort of another tie-in to the world of wrestling. She worked on some other stuff. I like the Onion News Network. Uh, uh, she worked on uh, Comedy Bang Bang, which is another good show. Uh, she actually worked, uh, she earned an Emmy for Monty Python, Almost a Truth, The Lawyer's Cut, which was a documentary, obviously, on Monty Python. So uh, apparently she's going to report to uh, Brad Bloom, Brad Blum, rather, Executive Vice President of Operations, and she's going to be working with uh, uh, Bruce Pritchard as well. So uh, congratulations to her. And when I think of Portlandia, I I wouldn't think was this a natural fit with uh with uh WWE because WWE when they tend to go for human they tend to go very 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 hard on either toilet humor or sexual humor although they you know, they they're not as quite as graphic as with it as they were in the uh, the Attitude Era but. It would be nice to see them do some more humor, something something a little bit more subtle, something a little bit more laid back. Not that I don't like toilet humor and sexual humor, but I like, you know, variety. I don't need to be hit over the head with everything. So uh, congratulations to her once again. Uh, here's something that affected me. I thought I thought maybe it was just an issue with my TV, you know, and my viewing initially, but apparently... Uh, there was an issue uh, with streaming of AEW Dynamite episode last week. Uh, the opening match, Eddie Kingston versus Lance Archer, I was not able to watch it uh, during the broadcast. I have Google TV, uh, so obviously that's a, quote, streaming sort of cable service. Uh, apparently the TNT app had the same problem, so I, I guess uh, maybe Google TV gets their uh, stream from the t- Gets their, you know, stream for the TNT app, or, but at any rate, uh, I was able to watch it eventually on YouTube, uh, on their YouTube channel, 
but he did issue a policy uh, via Twitter. Uh, the feedback back of apologies for the for an inconvenience. That was actually the All Elite uh, Wrestling on TNT account, AEW on TNT. Uh, he retweeted that. On top of that, I'm so sorry, friends streaming AEW Dynamite were unable to see the opening of tonight's show in their apps. TNT fixed the issue and got it working again. Archer vs. Kick was a tremendous match. After this show, we'll put it on YouTube. Please enjoy the rest of this great show. So uh, I was able to watch it eventually myself, and it was a very, very good match. So. Uh, Eddie Kingston is not a guy that I probably gave enough respect to prior to seeing his run at AEW. Uh, I just, I sort of first became aware of him with his run with uh, when they had the Hernandez and Homicide uh, feud with the uh, with uh, Santana uh, Ortiz, uh, now known as Proud and Powerful. Sometimes on AEW, I don't know if they've changed the name or not, but I know sometimes they use the Proud and Powerful name, sometimes they don't. Uh, but that, 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 that was a good feud, but I'd never really saw him wrestle that much. So, uh, overall, you know, he's, he's done a great job. I never really felt, I thought of him as more of a manager than a wrestler. And now I see he actually is, you know, a wrestler. He has a little bit of a hardcore style. I didn't get to see a lot of his, uh, stuff previously. So now, you know, I'm starting to get a little bit more of a taste and respect for what he does and what he brings, not just on the mic, but also, you know, in the ring as well. So, uh. Uh, great job by him and great job by Lance Archer. Uh, next, let's, let's get into some Wednesday Night War ratings. Uh, uh, let's see. This week, uh, AEW very, very closely beat NXT uh, 734,000 to 720,000. The demo was actually kind of close to. Uh, 18 to 49, it was 0.29 to 0.21. Apparently, last week, viewership jumped up 9.3% for NXT, and, and the rating jumped 40%. Uh, AEW's declined 14%, and, we, and, the, and the demo dropped 194 NXT pretty much always wins adults 50-plus, but it won women 18 to 49 and women 12 to 34 this time around. So, uh... Now I don't. I wonder. I guess it probably had some impact that the streaming wasn't so good. So maybe they lost something within the first 15 minutes. The first 15 minutes of the show, uh, I was down. Unfortunately, I don't have access to the 15 minute breakdowns. But I wonder if maybe a lot of people just tuned it off when it wasn't working and just you know changed the channel and started watching NXT because the broadcast wasn't working. Because uh, on my recording of it, the first I'd say probably minute or two worked. So you're able to tune in, but it was about a minute, I think it was maybe about right when they were doing sort of the uh, introductions that it sort of crapped out. So I wonder if that was the case. I wonder if, you know, the plus three or point seven or people able to, you know, later on watch it and maybe that makes up the difference. I'll, I'll also be tempted to see what happens this week and see if this is just a blip or see if this is another long-term trend because within this war, you don't want to react too much one way or the other, but uh, you definitely want to check it out. So uh, I'll be looking into that and do a little bit more research and get back to you next week on it. So uh, uh, apparently, like I said, Brian's actually uh, actually on hold. So I'm going to go ahead and patch him up. Let's see if he's at home and available to talk. Brian, how are you doing? 
The world king has ignored wrestling with problem nation. Uh, doing doing very very well. Like I said, I did not realize. Like I, now I see you on hold for like forty minutes. I did not did not realize you on hold that long until just now. So uh, obviously I've talked about m- most of what I want to talk about. I got a couple more things to get into, but uh, I'll go ahead and get your thoughts on Royal Rumble before I move on with the rest of my news for today. Well, what did you think about it? Uh, Royal Rumble. I was actually um, pleased with it. Uh, now I think. Um, I think pretty much all of our predictions um, had, um, had came to light with the exception of how everyone thought, had doubted me when I said Goldberg was going to do the job. Goldberg's <laughs> going to do the job. <laughs> no, I definitely, no go, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I had some dirty stuff I was to say, but I'm not going to. I know that's why I pause and, and wait to see um, how long it's going to take for you to go there. But uh, I came looking for booty. See, that's inappropriate. See, see, he paused. I didn't take the bait, but did anyway. That was just wrong. I apologize. I want to apologize to all listeners for doing that. Anyway, go ahead, Brian. <laughs> uh, well, the way I look at it is that um, Goldberg. Okay, actually, the one thing I thought that was going to happen that did surprise me. I was surprised that they let Bianca Belair um, win the Royal Rumble. I actually thought the better build-up was Alexa Bliss and her transformation to um, um, the female fiend. To me, I thought that would have been such um, a payoff for her um, um, going through the transformation, her um, doing the character right, and you have to admit, she's probably like the most unique character um, they had in um, a while. And yeah, you know, with, a, within, the, within the women's person. division, absolutely. Uh, obviously, you have the thing to compare it to if you if you could include the men. But like it's like I right. said, uh, but yeah, yeah, I agree. And actually, I didn't even I didn't even consider her for winning the the women's Royal Rumble match. I obviously like using your criteria. It would have made it makes a hell of a lot of sense to include her and think they might have been a good word. But I think I know exactly why they didn't. Because as you started talking about, it, I was like, I started thinking, hey, they actually probably should have. She's probably the most prominent female on roster as far as doing really interesting things right now and being in a good position. But then I realized, you know, you know why they probably not doing that? Because she's probably going to be involved in the cinematic match, and they probably don't want to have a cinematic match for the uh, women's whatever women's title that she would end up going for. So I think with her being involved, most likely in one of those cinematic matches, that's why she didn't win the women's Royal Rumble because they got other plans for her. And you know, sometimes you know how they say like, well, some so and so doesn't even need her; they're so over they don't need the title. I think this is the sort of situation with her right now. I think eventually she will get another run. But I think for the time being, they're probably going to use it in a cinematic match, and that, or you know, either a cinematic match for own, or you know, something related to the theme. So that's why she's not getting, you know, getting a run this time. Right. I actually think that um, as far as her, it, um, it it does work. But who um, I've been wondering what happened to. Honestly, just bad, but uh, I actually forgot about Nikki Cross. I almost would have forgot about her, but she did cut a recent promo, and they posted about it. 
that I saw online not too long ago. They, they posted one of her somewhere, and they posted one of uh, Nakamura, which I actually didn't have a chance to watch at the moment. But they that kept at least both of them in my mind. So, uh, but yeah, like like I said, uh, I was glad to see her back. She brings a sort of different vibe, a different energy, and a different look to it. So I'm glad when when they give, you know give her a little bit of respect to show her something. Like I said, she brings something unique that some of the other uh, talent is not. So, right, absolutely. Any rate, uh, do you have any more thoughts on the room, or did you want to? Were you ready to move on? Uh, you can move forward. Okay. Uh, did you did, did you want to comment on any of this? Any of these quote surprise you know entrances? Any of the veterans that entered in male or female rumble? Or did you? Are you, are you good to go on next? Uh, yeah. My, honestly, my big surprise actually was Carlito. Yeah, like I said, I, I definitely thought that was a surprise too, because he's one of the rare like you know people that sort of seemed like they weren't out for a long time. Like I said, he was like I mentioned earlier in the show, he was, he was gone for just about a decade. He only made one appearance in the in the teen years of you know of the century. So he was there right. at the very very beginning, just sort of seemed to be on the out. But in WWE, like we've noticed when uh. Bret Hart came back, Hulk Hogan came back, Bruno Sammartino came back. Pretty much everybody comes back eventually. Even Macho Man came back to a degree. So no matter how much an ounce you think somebody might be, eventually everybody seems to come back. I, I look at it like this. If um, Jeff Jarrett and Hulk Hogan could come back, I'm not too surprised if anybody, not do me, if anyone else comes back. For, for me, the only person I got to say who probably didn't come back would be uh what's his name? Uh Dean Douglas or Shane Shane Douglas. He's he's a, he's pretty much the only one that has not come back. Like I said, and and looking at his last one, I guess he, he might be the one weird one who doesn't. <laughs> but like I said, until well, he until he, until he it, until until he dies though, I'm never gonna say never. But uh, is it fair to say with him, um, he's probably currently the exception to the rule right now. Yeah, like I said, like I said, the, the only person who has a less chance of getting any sort of involvement with WWE, and, and like I said, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm including people who are deceased because their family controls their uh, estate or whatever too. The only person that has a lesser chance of ever being involved in any significant way with WWE. Other than him is, is Owen Hart, and I'm including yeah. Owen Hart's estate when I, when I make that because his because his wife, I don't think will ever ever forgive WWE. Will never let him be directly involved. Obviously, his matches and stuff are still within the uh, WWE archives and whatnot. But I mean, as far as him going into the Hall of Fame or anything like that, you know, I don't think that's ever going to happen. So there's well, those are the two least likely to ever do. Well, uh, at least part of that would be from um, I don't know if you call if you call it, but uh, it was a documentary done, Dark Side of the Ring. And for all you fans who never seen that, I would just say you if you're a fan of um, Owen Hart, and if you're a fan of the Hart family in general, 
I advise anyone who's a uh, wrestling fan to watch on um, Dark Side of the Ring on Hard Story. And I think you will be able to make your own judgment after seeing that why um why the widow of on hard feels as he feels. I haven't even watched that yet, but I kinda have an idea from other places I've been exposed to it and I kinda know how she feels about that. I can't completely say I don't blame her. <laughs> so okay. you know, all these all these considered <laughs> It, it kind of makes sense. Uh, yeah, I, I always say that I'm I'm not the I'm not the one who would um like to influence how other people think, but I will say um, that if, if nothing else, um sometimes um, people need to watch what they're gonna watch, and then they um, judge for themselves. Makes complete sense. So, uh, anyway, let's go ahead and uh, move on to something maybe a little bit happier. Because, <laughs> I, like I said, I was not expecting to go there. Like yeah, absolutely, we discussed, absolutely, absolutely. We already sort of discussed uh, two people who have passed. <laughs> so, so uh, let's move on to something else. Uh, now that I think about it. Because I only got, a, I only got a, actually, I only got a couple more things I want to discuss before I get out of here now. So let me go ahead and uh, move on. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, this is something I actually missed to discuss last week, too, by the way. Uh, just Jeff Jarrett's Anthem lawsuit has officially been dismissed. The never-ending lawsuits between Impact Wrestling and Anthem Sports and uh, Global Re- Global Force Wrestling, et cetera, et cetera. They finally re- reached agreement at the beginning of the month, apparently, uh, beginning of last month, rather, uh, first week of January, according to Pro Wrestling Insider and SCScoops.com. Uh, Choices within WWE stated that it has been in a great mood since the settlement. This is seen to indicate he is happy with what was agreed upon. The settlement follows more than two years of legal battles between the two parties. He was officially released by Impact in fall of 2017. He filed a lawsuit against Sports and uh, Entertainment following a 2017 attempt at combining his Global Force Wrestling with Impact Wrestling. At some point during the afternoon, falling out between the two parties, tapes of WWE tapes of Jarrett's Global Force Wrestling Amp show were deleted. Uh, obviously, he was a founder of uh, uh, NWA TNA, later TNA, later Impact Wrestling. He was put in the Hall of Fame in 2015. So, uh, but overall, I, I guess he got some money. <laughs> they say he's a good move. So when, when you when you get a lawsuit settled and you're somebody's in a good mood, you assume they got paid. <laughs> usually, not always, but usually. <laughs> I'm gonna say it 100. If somebody's happy and there's a lawsuit, they get paid. Unless they were the one being sued. <laughs> if you're the one being sued, that's sometimes it's not even pay. <laughs> I guess that's almost getting paid. I guess not having to pay somebody is almost as good as getting paid. So. Anyway, we're going on to percent change. Yeah, yeah. Moving on to our penultimate story of the evening. WWE has signed William Regal's son, Bailey Matthews. They have not acknowledged, though, that it was his son, though. And they did assign some other talent. Uh, so they uh, – here are some of the other people that they signed. They signed Tony Tony Gill, who used to wrestle under the name Gusinder Singh as part of the, the Daisy Hit Squad and Impact, who graduated from Lance Storm's uh, Storm Wrestling Academy. Uh, 
They signed a German wrestler with Turkish Heritage, who's uh, 27 years old, wrestler for the uh, WXW promotion under the name of Lucky Kid. Uh, I apologize in advance if I butcher the name. It looks like it's Matihan Koka Basoglu. Congratulations uh, to him. They also signed uh, talent like Rampage Brown, Aaliyah James, Sa Samuels, and Ben Carter, who all recently debuted for the NXT UK brand as well. So uh, those are all, for the most part, all I believe all those signings were part of the NXT, but with NXT UK signings. So congratulations to all of them. Uh, I wonder if they're going to do the thing with... Uh, with him that they did with like Jerry Lawler's son Brian Christopher, where they're just not, they're just everybody's gonna know, but they're never gonna acknowledge it. Just wink, wink, nudge, nudge, or if they eventually gonna make it into a storyline at some point, that's why they're not acknowledging it. But uh... well, hopefully they they do it a lot better than um, they did in years past. It's just like, okay, it, 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 it's not funny no more. You know, it's kind of one of those things. Yep. Very, very, very weird stuff sometimes. So. Anyway, that's that's the world of wrestling, though, so you never know. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Anyway, like I said, uh, for our final story, David, and I believe this will be our final story of the evening, uh, this is sort of the other shoe dropping that I thought that might happen with the WWE deal. Uh with WWE signing with Peacock, and basically they're going to take their pretty much their entire archives and whatnot for the next five years is going to be, uh, going to uh, NBC, Peacock, Universal. ESPN is no longer going to be covering WWE, which I think is a huge loss to them as far as exposure to the product. Hey Brian, are you cooking? <laughs> no, I'm not cooking. Somebody else cooking in your house? Uh, sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway, like like I was mentioning, the other shoe has dropped. Apparently, like I said, that means ESPN is no longer going to be covering WWE, which is a loss to them in a lot of ways because they were getting a lot of exposure for that. But since it since it doesn't necessarily seem to be moving the needle as far as uh, ratings or whatnot over the last year, I don't think it'll be a loss in that sense. So, uh, but I kind of figured as soon as I saw that they were sort of going all in with NBC and Universal, I figured that it might be getting sort of losing all that extra scores they were getting with our ESPN. So, but by the way, that makes me wonder if 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 at some point ESPN will decide to get back in the wrestling business some kind of way, whether it be either buying you know an organization or sort of partnering with one of them. Obviously, I don't think it would be with AEW because AEW is with Chuck Warner. Uh, and obviously WWE is sort of all in NBC. So I wonder if they'll either try to buy Ring of Honor or buy MLW or, or invest with one of them because it seems like they want to do some stuff for wrestling. And they have had wrestling on the channel back in the past. So I kind of wonder, uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, um, I actually have to agree with you on that because to me, um, when, when it falls with wrestling, you can't it um okay, you can't have two companies that are rival companies but yet um they okay, they're on the same network. One one company can't be the big company in the in the smaller company and then they both 
coexist on one network. It, it's usually one or the other. And like and like I said, you know, live programming is always live programming is always sort of uh sort of what the uh, services want. And uh, obviously, I think eventually we'll get to the point where there'll be some quote live wrestling on the streaming service. Right now, there's no live wrestling on any of the streaming services that I'm aware of. You know, Netflix at some point had uh, I think uh, Lucha Underground, but I think they lost it. Lucha Underground is now on Tubi, by the way. So T U B I. If you that is a free streaming service, so if you do want to get caught up on it, you do have to sit through a few commercials, but not the normal amount you would watch it on regular television. But I have been sort of getting caught up with a little bit there, so you can definitely check it out if you want to get caught up. Lucha Underground, when it was on the air, was my favorite wrestling prior to uh, AEW sort of joining the scene. Even if you compare everything, I probably put Lucha Underground as my favorite federation number. Nah, nah I, can't, I take that back. I, I probably have to go ECW by all-time favorite number one, Lucha Underground number two, AEW number three right now. So. At any rate, uh, any final thoughts before we go, Brian? Well, if nothing else, um, don't forget we have the Royal Rumble that's coming up. I mean, that that just passed, and um, we have NXT TakeOver that's coming up. So look out for NXT TakeOver, and as usual, um, on the show, we have not saw a NXT takeover that wasn't at least um, a beat. For me, just about I every... Sure. I, 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 was, I, was, I don't think I've ever seen one that was below at A-. minus. Like you said, that's the worst case scenario. Right. Me, as long as I've seen um, a takeover, that's the only show for pay-per-view show that had been running for at least two years that the product hasn't faltered not once. I don't care who was on the car, but the car has not faltered yet. I don't care which takeover, whether it's Brooklyn, Chicago, New York, wherever. It's been an awesome show. And I would even say NXT UK, they, they um okay, they um takeover shows are good. Not great. Not awesome like that, but they, they are actually good shows, and you guys need to um, check out NC UK so, so you can check out some of the new talent that uh, earlier in the uh, show that the King had named because they got some, some actual good talent over there. So give it a shot. Absolutely. At any rate, you've been listening to Wrestling With Problems. Thanks for joining us. And we will be back next week. I came looking for booty. I like you and I want you. Now we can do this the easy way or we can do it the hard way. The choice is yours. Well, I don't think you and I will be doing anything any kind of way.